morning, church. It's good to see you on this July 4th morning, and welcome to all of our campuses who are joining us now live. Man, it's a beautiful morning, isn't it? It is beautiful. How many people uh, here were, uh, what time did your fireworks stop last night? I think mine was at 5.30. The sun was already up, and they're like, let's just keep going. It was great. God bless America. <laughs> Incredible. You know, it's been a while since I've been up here, and so a, a couple of things have happened. I know it's July 4th, but let me tell you a story about Father's Day. So my son, Zion, uh, got me a Father's Day gift. Oh, precious, right? But it was one of those Father's Day gifts that was not really a gift for me as much as it was a gift for him, right? You know, you know what type of gift I'm talking about? Yeah, it was a three-in-one Lego set, and so he ran over to me, and he goes, Dad, happy Father's Day. I'm like, thanks, buddy. He's like, I got you a gift. I'm like, you did? He's like, here, it's Legos. And I'm like, just what I wanted, man. So cool. He's like, we could build this together, which is essentially him saying that my gift to you for Father's Day is to spend time with me, which is awesome. Which is awesome. And it made me really actually kind of proud, you know, because like I really respect my son's hustle at that moment. I really respect it, it made me proud. So gift for him, awesome, but we had a great time. We built it together. We started building and I realized very quickly that me and my son uh, go about Legos very differently, okay? I follow the instructions, okay? I do not deviate, I do not invent, I'm not creative in that way, I don't freestyle, okay? I don't add additional pieces I follow the instructions, okay? I have built my fair share of Ikea furniture, and I know that if you go off of the instructions, you have just made three more hours of work for yourself. I follow the instructions. My son, however, he's a bit loose with the whole directions and instructions thing. He views them more as a guideline, and then he looks at the picture, and he looks at the picture of what we're supposed to be building, and he's like, that's a suggestion. So we're supposed to be building a raft, and he's like, but what if instead we built a spaceship? I'm like, then you should have bought the spaceship one, son. We have very different approaches when it comes to building things, and that's because we are different. Because he is different, he builds differently. And because I'm different, I build differently than him. And we're going to see something similar in our text for today, the title, of our message today is built different. It's built different. Maybe you've seen these videos pop up of people doing slightly above average athletic or strength feats, and then once they do it, they look into the camera and they flex and they're like, built different. And so we're gonna redeem that today. <laughs> we're gonna redeem those two words, and uh, let's jump into our text for today. We're in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25. Let's read together. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for the building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. And what we see first in our text for today in verse 25 is this, built from truth, built from truth. It starts with a therefore. So we always have to ask the question, what is that therefore, therefore? And we find that it is a summation of what Paul was just speaking about. He was looking at he was ju- what he was just saying, because you are a new creation, because you have put off the old self, as Dr. V taught last week, and put on the new self, you are new. And because you are new, because of that truth that we have now in Jesus Christ, because you are new, God's blueprints for building you and the body are now different. Your new life means that you are now built different, literally. You are now built different and you build differently. You are built different and you build differently. And the first step of this new way to build, Paul lays out for us, is by putting away falsehood and lies. Do you see it there in the text? Put away falsehood. Put away lies. Let each one of you speak with truth with his neighbors, for we are members of one another. We are replacing lies with truth. And this is so important for us, because truth, this is the structure that we build the rest of the body on, speaking truth to one another. And it isn't speaking truth as in speaking the gospel to one another, although that is true and we should be doing that to one another. This is a more general use of the word truth, meaning true things, not lies, speaking honestly with one another, speaking honestly with each other, telling each other the truth, the truth about myself, the truth about others, the truth about the things in the world, the truth about God, certainly, the truth in all circumstances and situations in my life, the truth. You see, the world says, do whatever it takes to build the thing you're trying to build, right? Lie, cheat, steal, step on other people, do whatever it takes to build. God has different blueprints for us to build. The truth builds. The truth builds relationship. It builds love, it builds community, it builds accountability, it builds unity, it builds the body. And so no matter what, we tell the truth, we speak the truth, even when it's seemingly detrimental to ourselves, which is kind of counter to our human nature. Our human nature is self-preservation. Protect myself, even if I have to lie. Protect. But God's nature for us to build is self-disclosure. Speak truth no matter what. If I mess up relationally, or if I mess up at my job, or if I mess up in any other place, tell the truth. If you see someone doing something improper, tell the truth. If you've been lying for some time about something, tell the truth. If you see someone doing something wrong, tell the truth. If you see someone out there twisting scripture, tell them the truth. We need to speak the truth. And I think that it needs to be said here that the truth always needs to be accompanied with love. Always. The truth always needs to be accompanied with love and grace. Truth is not a club that you go around bonking other people on the head with, right? 
It is not a weapon. We speak truth to one another and we do it in love. And if you're one of those people who goes around bashing people in the head with the truth, and maybe you're the type of person who says, I'm I'm just a truth speaker here. Maybe you know that person, maybe you are that person. I'm just a truth speaker, I can't help it. Well, let me tell you the truth this morning. You're not a truth speaker, you're a truth beater, okay? You are beating people with the truth, and that is not what Paul is talking about here. In fact, in a couple of verses, he's preaching against that very thing. We speak the truth and we speak it in love with grace towards one another. That is the blueprint that God has for us. And this is so important for us to grasp because truth is the language of Christ. Truth is the language of Christ and when we are in Christ, we speak his language. We speak truth, we tell the truth. And if truth is the language of Christ, then that means that lies are the language of the devil. He is the father of lies. He is the great deceiver. And when we tell lies, when we tell falsehoods, we are speaking his language. And let me tell you something, Christian, he wants nothing more for you and me than to speak his language. Because he knows that when we speak his language, instead of building the body, what it does is it hurts the body. And that is exactly what he wants. He wants to destroy what God is building. We have been given a new language and that is the language of Christ. And that is the language of truth. Truth lays the structure of trust in the community of Christ. It is our structure that we build upon. I don't know if you have watched the news, I think it's these past two weeks, but there was um, a building that tragically collapsed in Florida. Have you guys seen that? It's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. Nine people lost their lives and 150 remain unaccounted for. It's a catastrophic thing that took place. And people are looking at this, engineers are looking at this and they're, they're, they're saying, what happened? This shouldn't be possible. It shouldn't be possible that a building that was only standing for 40 years would somehow collapse in upon itself. Something must have gone really wrong. And so naturally, they're trying to prevent something like this from ever happening again. And so they have been investigating this collapse and they have come to a couple of conclusions. There's still a lot that they don't know, but one thing that they agree on is that there was some sort of catastrophic structure failure. Whether that happened in the beams of the building or at the foundation or somewhere else, there was catastrophic structural failure and that caused the building to collapse on itself. Maybe you've seen some of the pictures that have been posted by people who were looking at the basement of this building and you could see that the structure of this building was starting to deteriorate. And they think that maybe that was one of the reasons that it collapsed. Because the truth is, is that when the structure is compromised, everything that is built upon that structure is compromised as well. And on our spiritual life, in the building of The body of Christ, truth is that structure. And lying, falsehood, is the thing that degrades that structure. And so we need to be vigilant, church, in speaking the truth with one another. Speaking true things. So I just wrote down five truths about truth. Five truths about truth. The first is that it's ongoing. It's ongoing. 
Uh, truth speaking is not something that you do one time and then check it off a list and go, boom, done, did it. Move on to the next thing. Truth speaking is ongoing. It's happening continuously. We are always speaking the truth to one another. It's also a personal responsibility. We are personally responsible for speaking the truth, for putting away falsehood and speaking the truth. You and I are personally responsible to speak the truth, but it's also a community responsibility. It's us all speaking the truth to one another. And not only speaking the truth to one another, but holding each other accountable to the truth. It's a personal responsibility, but it is also a community responsibility. It's a battle. It's a battle. Like I said before, the devil wants nothing more for you to start lying, to start saying falsehoods in the body of Christ. Why? Because it will degrade the structure. It will hurt the building of the body. It is a battle. It is a spiritual warfare. And it is hard to tell the truth sometimes, isn't it? It is hard to speak the truth sometimes. It's a battle. And then fifth, truth builds trust. And it is hard to make, but it is easy to break. Truth builds trust. And trust is hard to make, and it is easy to break. Trust is built by truth speaking over time. Maybe you could tell a hundred truths and that would build the trust and relationship between you and another person. But let me tell you, it only takes one lie to tear all of that down. It is hard to make and easy to break. And so church, we need to be vigilant in our truth speaking within our community. We are built different and we build differently and we build with the truth. The second thing that we see is we are built with protection. Verse 26, this is a very familiar verse for us this morning, one that you've probably heard many times before. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. This is like the universal verse for every marriage in this room, right? Amen. But we see an imperative right here. Be angry and do not sin. This shows something to us, that we can be angry and not sin in that anger. All anger is not sinful. We see God become angry at Israel when he sees their idolatry. We see Jesus become angry at the temple when he sees the money changers. Anger is not necessarily sin. So let me break down two types of anger for us really fast. The first is godly anger. Godly anger, or maybe you've heard it, righteous anger. This anger is when we join God in anger over sin and evil and injustice. It actually produces redemptive fruit inside of us. We actually move towards love and faith and God's true justice. It isn't stubborn, it isn't rude, it isn't arrogant, it isn't selfish, it doesn't want revenge. In fact, it actually feels grief. First looking inward and grieving the way that we have sinned against God and then looking outward and grieving the evil of this world. That is godly anger. Then we have man's anger. Man's anger. And that is acting out in anger that does not produce the righteousness of God. James 1.20. Because the man is more concerned with the man than he is with God. This is selfish, prideful anger. And it is the anger that we most see in the world. 
is this right here, man's anger. It does not bear any redemptive fruit, meaning it doesn't move us towards love or faith or trusting in God's true justice. It leads us towards revenge. Make them pay for what they did to me. That's man's anger. I wanna share just really quickly two things about these two types of anger. Is godly anger can turn into man's anger very quickly. And man's anger can be quelled and not acted upon. If you need uh, proof of the first one, which is God's godly anger can turn into man's anger, if you need proof of that, just look at any Facebook thread uh, about any injustice where Christians post, right? What starts off maybe with godly anger, anger over injustice or sin or evil, suddenly in the comment sections when they are attacked or disagreed with becomes mudslinging and self-righteous arrogance and telling other people that they're going to hell. It is gross and disgusting. Maybe you've seen that. That's not godly anger anymore. That's man's anger. Second, we have man's anger and it can be quelled and not acted upon. We can't control how we feel. Okay, when feelings come at us, we, we can't control that initial feeling of feelings. But what we can do is we control what we do with those feelings. We can't control the, the, the feeling, but we can control what we do with that feeling. And if you have driven a car for any amount of time in the state of Illinois, you have felt this feeling, right? The car behind you honking at you when you don't immediately slam the gas when the light turns green, right? The constant being cut off on 90, like, come on, right? All of a sudden, it, there's this thing going on like right here in this area. Feels a bit like a teapot is about to boil, right? You feel it boiling up inside of you. And you want to do a lot of things in that moment. Shout, honk back, many other things that we won't talk about in church right now. That's man's anger. I want revenge. I want to get back at them. But you have a choice in that moment. Do you know that? You don't have to react in man's anger. You can quell that, and through much patience and love and grace, you can kill that in your heart. So if you're wondering what type of anger you're expressing in any given moment, uh, I think two questions are really good for us to help us with that, to figure out which anger we are expressing. The first question is, what makes you angry? Is it the things that make God angry? If so, that's godly anger. Is the thing that makes you angry someone attacking your pride? Is it a selfish anger? What makes you angry? And then the second question is, is, what do you do with that anger? Do you explode in rage, maligning other people, belittling them? Or do you trust God? and his perfect justice? Does the anger move you towards love and faith? Those are good questions to ask ourselves because anger isn't bad, but it is volatile and dangerous. And we need to protect ourselves and the body from sinful anger. I think of it a little bit like exercise and sleep and drinking water and working, right? All good things. But if they are taken too far, they become harmful, right? Uh, Exercise, it's good. It's a good thing. But if you overdo it, 
you actually hurt your body more than you help your body. Did you know that? If you overexercise, you're actually hurting your body more than you're helping it. Sleep, very good. Amen, can we get an amen for all of us who didn't sleep? Fireworks, praise the Lord. It's very good. But if you overdo it, if you sleep all day, that is not good for your health or your life, is it? If we take that too far, it is not good. Drinking water, also good, so I'm told. But if you overdo it, you can actually harm your body. Working, it's a good thing, amen? But if you overdo it, you can harm your health, you could neglect your family, all good things, but if you take them far enough, they become harmful. Now, granted, you have to take those pretty far, whereas anger is a little different. Anger is a good thing. Having godly anger is a good thing. Being angry at what makes God angry is good. But if we overdo it, which we don't have to go very far to overdo anger, it becomes harmful. So we have to be aware of the danger that we have in this area. The text gives us a warning. It gives us a warning. It says, give no opportunity for the devil, which means that anger is a gateway that gives the devil an opportunity to come and mess stuff up. And we need to be aware of that. And we need to make sure that we are not sinning in our anger. So how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect ourselves and the body? I wrote down three things. First is to be slow to it. Be slow to it. James 1:19. be slow to anger. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be slow to anger. It is not an explosive anger. An explosive anger is an uncontrollable anger. When you're slow to anger, you have your emotions, your feelings, your anger under control. And that is what we need to do, is we need to have controlled anger if we have godly anger. Not exploding in anger in just a moment, in an instant. That is us out of control. So we need to be slow to it. Then we need to be quick from it. Look at the text here. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now this isn't a, Paul isn't saying this literally, like do not let the sun literally go down on your anger. But the, the principle of this is, is true. Be quick from your anger. Do not linger in your anger. Don't dwell in your anger. Don't sit in anger for a long time. The Lord knows us. And he knows that when we sit in our anger for long periods of time, we start this vicious cycle of escalating anger. I'm angry, now I'm thinking about it, and I'm angrier. And now I'm thinking about that, and I'm becoming even angrier, and then to the point where we cannot control it anymore, and we explode. So we need to be slow to it, we need to be quick from our anger, and then we need to pray through it. The moment that we feel anger rising up in us, we need to immediately go before the Lord. First asking the question, Lord, is this, is this a godly anger in me or is this man's anger in me? Is this a selfish anger or is this something different? God, would you help me through this anger? I am angry and I do not want to sin in my anger, so Lord, strengthen me. Help me to control my emotions. We're slow to it, we're quick from it, and we pray through it. We're built with protection. Here's the last thing. We are built for action. We're built for action. Let's look at verse 27 together. 
It says, give no opportunity for the devil. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So there's a lot here and we're gonna go through it, but I want you to see this pattern that Paul has set up. Paul is giving a negative, sinful action and then after that he gives a positive action and then after that, he gives a response as to why do we do this positive action. Here's the reason. And he's been doing this since verse 25. And it follows the pattern that he has established of putting off and putting on. And then he gives a reason for it. So if we go back to verse 25, we see that we need to put off lies and put on the truth. And why do we do that? Because we are members one of another. It's for the building of the body. Then we see we put off uncontrollable anger and we put on controlled anger. And the reason that we do that is for protection from the devil. Then we get here to verse 28 where we're putting off stealing, being a thief, and we put on honest work. We put on honest work. So who's Paul talking about right here? Who's Paul calling and telling them to stop stealing. Well, most likely, it was laborers who stole from their employers or merchants or shopkeepers who would cheat their customers. And he's saying, stop. And he inserts the positive command, which is to labor honestly. But then he goes on to give the purpose. And the purpose is so that they can share to those who are in need. The purpose of work here, of labor, is for the benefit of those in need. The word to share here means to give part of or to give a share of. And Paul says this word purposefully uh, to stay away from the two extremes, which would be not to hoard all of your wealth, but also not to recklessly give everything away. But instead, you should be generous and give a share to those in need. We are built differently and we build differently. Let us work hard as unto the Lord in honest labor and let us be generous with those who are in need. Put off stealing, put on honest labor. And then we see this. Put off filthy talk and put on edifying talk. Look at verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. This is filthy talk. The idea is that it is rotten, that it is decayed, that it is spoiled, corrupt, and it must be taken off and thrown away. Some examples of this type of language would be gross, vulgar language, mean-spirited speech, taking the Lord's name in vain, gossip, cursing others. It's any and all speech that is worthless, that puts others down, that doesn't have any benefit to them. Put that off, and instead, only let talk come out of your mouth that is good for building up others. Why do we do that? To be gracious with those who hear. So let me ask you a question here. 
Which one of those two words would define how you speak? Filthy or edifying? We usually don't take this very seriously, right? It's just words, Pastor Tommy. It's just words. It doesn't really matter that much. Let's look at the next verse together. What does it say? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. These verses are linked. They are linked together, which means that those who have rotten, spoiled, corrupt talk grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, you may not think that this is serious, but let me tell you something. God takes this seriously, and he is grieved when we speak this way. I want you to know that it isn't, it isn't just words. It isn't just words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not just words. It's what's in your heart. Did anyone here um, ever get soap in your mouth when you were a kid? I can still remember the taste of the dial yellow bar soap. Could picture it right now. Mm -hmm. And any time that I said something filthy or mean-spirited, my mother <laughs> would scrub my mouth with soap. It's a very, like, unforgettable physical object lesson, isn't it? It is the literal scrubbing clean my mouth. Have clean speech, Tommy. Here is some soap to help you remember that, right? <laughs> Thank goodness it wasn't like liquid soap, right? <laughs> but that's what we think. We just, I'm, let's clean the mouth. Clean the mouth and everything is going to be okay. But the reality of that is that it's not a mouth cleaning that needs to happen. It is a heart cleansing that needs to happen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we need, we need to take off filthy talk and replace it with edifying talk. Church, we are built different and we build differently and we do that through our speech. If we speak like the world, how are we different? If we speak as the world speaks, how are we different? We need to have edifying talk come out of our mouths, building up each other with encouragement and challenge. This is speaking to our spiritual maturity and it grieves the spirit and it tears down the body when we fail in this area. So let's put off filthy talk and put on edifying talk. Finally, this. Put off a bitter heart and put on a tender heart. Look at verse 31 together. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We are taking off the bitter heart and we are putting on a tender heart. The bitter heart leads to abusive talk and abusive action towards each other. But the tender heart leads us towards forgiveness. It leads us towards forgiveness. And I don't want us to miss this because if the truth is the structure of our building, if the truth is the structure of our building, then the tender heart is the nails that keeps everything together on that structure. Forgiveness is the nails. It keeps everything locked into that structure. It keeps everything attached 
because it leads to forgiveness. And the, the word forgiveness here um, is, is an amazing word. In the Greek, it is harizomai. Uh, 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 and it, it literally means uh, freely given gracious forgiveness. It's actually the, the, the origin of that word, harizomai, is haris, which is grace. It's grace. And so it is not just forgiveness. It is a freely given, entirely gracious forgiveness. And this is so needed in the building up of the body of Christ, isn't it, church? This gracious forgiveness. Because the reality is, is that we are going to mess up everything Paul just told us not to mess up. We are. You're going to tell a lie. You are going to sin in your anger. You are going to steal. We all are. We're going to steal. We're going to speak in filthy talk. We may even allow bitterness into our hearts and speak with wrath, anger, slander towards each other. We are going to mess this up. We won't do this perfectly. It's messy building this together. And so we need to have this gracious forgiveness with each other And the reason that Paul gives here, we take off the bitter heart, we put on the tender heart, which leads to forgiveness. Why? What's the reason? The reason is because God in Christ graciously forgave you. And because you have been given this amazing, gracious forgiveness, you graciously forgive others. Forgiven people forgive people. And grace-given people are gracious with others. All of this is possible because we have first experienced this amazing, gracious forgiveness from God in Christ Jesus. And if God has given this to us, I just want us to just picture this with me for a moment. If God has given this gracious, amazing forgiveness to us, when we have sinned against him an innumerable amount of times, he has graciously forgiven us How much more can we go forth and graciously forgive others who slight us or sin against us? And the reality is is that most of us know this. Most of us have read this, we've been taught this, maybe we've even studied this. But listen, the body isn't built with knowing. The body is built with action. It's with doing. We need to actually live this out And I think that is one of the biggest detriments to the body of Christ, which is allowing bitterness to creep into our hearts because we are withholding forgiveness from others. And when someone doesn't perfectly act like Paul is telling us to act here, we grow bitter in our heart, which then flows out through our actions, harming us and hurting the body of Christ. And so we need to be graciously forgiving people, church, because forgiveness destroys bitterness. And we can't allow the root of bitterness to infect the building of the body of Christ. So here's two questions for you as we end our time together. Are you holding on to forgiveness or are you allowing forgiveness to hold you? Are you holding on to forgiveness or are you allowing forgiveness to hold you? Let me explain that. Are you holding on to forgiveness? Are you withholding forgiveness? Are you withholding it from others? 
those who have maybe wronged you. Maybe it was a slight, maybe it was very serious. Are you withholding forgiveness from someone? Let me tell you, 10 out of 10 times that I have seen that take place, it has always led to the same place. Bitterness. Bitterness, bitterness, bitterness. That's why Paul is telling us right here, remove, put it off. Put on the tender heart that leads towards forgiveness. Because God in Christ forgave us. We have no greater example than that. And if he can forgive you and me, the chief of sinners, he will give you the strength to go and forgive others. Do not hold on to forgiveness. Do not withhold it from others. Are you allowing forgiveness to hold you? This is God's forgiveness holding me. Listen, church, God's forgiveness holds us. It holds you, it holds me. And because it holds me, I forgive others. We are built different. You are built different. The moment you came into Christ, you were made new, built different. And now, you build differently. The body of Christ is not built like the world. The body of Christ is built with the blueprints that God has given us in his word. It's built with the truth. We are built and we build with the truth. We are built and we build with protection. We are built and we build with action, the actions of hard work, of helping the needy, of speaking with grace, of being kind to one another, having a tender heart, and keeping in all of those things through gracious forgiveness of others when they don't do it perfectly. The kingdom of God is built different. So let us go forth from this place today, on this July 4th, with a different mindset, with a mindset that is focused on the clear application that God gives us through his word to build his kingdom, to build each other up in the body of Christ. He has given us the blueprints, church. It's his word, it's right here for us. Let us not just know it, but let us build with action. Imagine what the Lord would do in our body here if we built with this blueprint, with the truth, with protection from sinful anger, with action from stealing to honest labor, from filthy talk to edifying talk, from a bitter heart to a tender heart. Can you see it? 
God, let that be true of us. Lord, I pray right now that you would allow the Holy Spirit to apply this to our lives. Would you show us anywhere where we're lacking in this, Lord? Would we not become prideful or arrogant or self-righteous, but Lord, would we humble ourselves before you? Would we hear your voice in this? Correct us where we need to be corrected. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Strengthen us where we need to be strengthened. Lord, the reality is, is that even though you have given us this blueprint, we still can't do it without you. We need you. We need your guidance. We need your discernment. We need your strength. None of it is easy. All of it is hard. But the hard work is worth it. The honest labor is worth it. So God, build us. God, build your church through us. Help us to build and not tear down. You have built us different, Lord, and now we build differently because of it. Be with us as we do, Lord. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.